You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover Magic, the Gathering Finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. Alrighty guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. This week's topic comes to you straight from the depths of Reddit. Uh, something that we kind of talk about a lot is wallet fatigue. Yes. And came to a head because thanks to delays to two products and two products that were announced last week or the week before in stream, uh, there is a eight-day span in October where four products will release at once. So... How does wallet fatigue work? What do we expect from that? And additionally, what do we expect from double masters in terms of long-term finance as well as, will we see another print? Yep. So uh, up top, it's, I guess, worth noting that the pushback has been on Infinity by six months, which is ridiculous, and Warhammer by... About a month and three quarters from August yeah. 12th to October 7th alongside Unfinity. So those two, the set Unfinity and the Warhammer Commander product the decks will release on the same day. And personally, I think that is okay. Yeah. I think those two sets dropping at the same time or product dropping at the same time is perfectly fine for an LGS. I don't know if people care anymore about unsets to draft at the LGS level. After the third one, it seemed like Watsi was moving away from that model, as nobody cared anymore. And the Warhammer decks are definitely a product aimed at a very specific group of people. And this is probably one of the first products where a lot of people will just let it pass by them. That's my hope. Yeah. I I think, I guess we'll see the spoilers, right? Because if there's something, you know, true name nemesis level in the Warhammer 40k deck, obviously it's a whole different ballgame. But I fully expect that to be the same case. I absolutely think what we'll see is Warhammer's going to get skipped over. Infinity isn't really, like, I mean, it's a commander product. Yep. Because, like, casual players and EDH players love it. And uh, the non-silver border cards with the different yeah, hollow getting, stamp. Yeah, getting shocks is huge. Yeah, well, sure. it's not just them. Uh, I forgot what it was. There's some amount of Unfinity that will be legal in Commander Legacy and Vintage because it yeah. will not be silver bordered and it will have a different hollow stamp. Dumb. Uh, and I think, you know, obviously the Pioneer Challenger decks are for Pioneer players. Um, it, it's very interesting to me that those are coming out the month before the Pro Tour. Uh, because at that point, I feel like if you're trying to drum up interest in the format, you would release it now uh, so people can have it for the RCQs. Like, Isn't DreamHack November? Yes, you're right about DreamHack, not the Pro Tour. Yeah. The Pro Tour is in or January. Whatever, yeah, the, the but DreamHack event that queues for... I don't know how it works. You, okay, so real quick, you have to queue for DreamHack. And it's a very, very small pool for DreamHack. I, yeah. I, I spent a lot of time looking this up for my pick. It, it relevant. Okay, fair. Um, yeah. And then from DreamHack and the other 
re large regional qualifiers, that's how you get your Pro Tour along with some, like, sideways to invite. They want the Pro Tour to be, like, 300-some-odd people. So worldwide, uh, the regional qualifiers will not qualify everybody. There's a lot of, like... A lot is, a, is the wrong phrase here. There are a number of side channels with which you can use to make the Pro Tour, but I think it's going to be things like Moto PTQs and things like yeah. that uh, to get you in. But to your point, this misses the mark for DreamHack and at least those side events and what seems like the majority of the RPTQ uh, series because those have already yeah. started. People have already started playing modern regional qualifiers for a pioneer regionals yeah or pioneer or what have you i wanted to call out modern because it seems a little weird to throw that into the ecosystem but you're right it, it absolutely misses and then the last product also for the 14th so a week after this is a week after infinity and the warhammer decks is the new game night product that that's coming out and game night's an interesting one it looks like a spin or rather a riff on the explorers of ixalan bundle where they tried yeah. here are four decks one has time warp one has galta the other two don't matter yeah. play them have fun basically and to either get a, your family together or a bunch of friends and and engage with magic in a different way than you normally would with commander and i expect this to also miss a number of people if it doesn't have stuff like the equivalent of time warp and galta yeah for sure. And I, I think the spoiler of it was, you know, basically them saying, here's some new EDH commanders that you can use. And a couple of them actually look decent. Uh, but it'll be very interesting to see, you know, what actually happens with these. Because the Explorer stuff didn't actually become valuable till a while down the line. Correct. Uh, but it was not something that really sold very well. And I don't know who it's marketed to, really, besides, you know trying to get board game people into it yep it, this just seems like it's kind of a scattershot approach for the lgs's to yeah. offer up magic to players that don't really play magic the way afr and commander legends Baldurgate uh, were designed yeah uh, anecdotally while i was away this last week in new jersey i stopped in at an lgs and apparently AFR was so successful for this guy because his D&D players were buying it. He was willingly buying other stores out of stock to relist on-prem, not That's online. That's awesome. All on-prem. Yeah. Sure. And I was when I was talking to him, he, he, he said, it's because I have players like this and pointed across the counter and up, and they had a Red Dragon, like, sculpt or, like, sure, part of yeah. a bust. And they can't keep D&D books in. He doesn't know what he's going to do because I guess the new set is currently also seeing supply chain issues. So his players are just downloading what they can for the moment. And he's hoping they come in for that stuff. But I, like this seems, this game night product seems like that. So yeah. where wallet fatigue for me begins to set in it at an LGS level that doesn't do singles is that now my alternate gaming players 
might begin engaging with a product like this and pull them thin on some of their other orders, like their, specifically their Warhammer models, whatever's coming out new there, or new books, or people that just come in and reliably buy board games. Although if this might be the game night thing might be categorized as categorized as a board game, so cool, you're still winning there. Yeah, I guess. And then unset, I just don't know. I don't. I don't know what that set's going to do and where people are going to even care. If for me, when I think about wall fatigue and these four objects, my concern is double masters against infinity because people will have spent so much money on double masters that they won't have enough left over for infinity but behind that is who's going to care about this on the whole if there are not events to carry this home if it's just like the previous unset was where you you buy the kits and then play at home i don't know it's the shocks right now that people are looking at. Yeah, I think the really interesting thing, too, is going to be, you know, sure, we have a couple months of recovery time here between now and Infinity, right? Yeah. And this is where Double Masters, I think, really comes into play for me, is if you don't think for a second that, sure, Wizards is saying, oh, it's one and done, we're done. Okay, but if you don't think come Q th- late Q3, early Q4, they're like, hey, uh, we want to report record earnings again. Let's drop some more double masters that they're not going to do it. I Maybe I'm taking crazy pills here, but of course they're going to do it. Yeah. And the thing then is that makes these products less desirable because, oh, I can get a 40K deck. Sure, a 40K player cares about that. Mm-hmm. But the magic player who's interested in that, the magic player who's interested in game night, the magic player who's interested in the pioneer decks, uh, granted the opportunity i would think by and large they would flock to double masters mm-hmm. based on the set you know and how pre-sales have been it's the first time i can remember star city publicly stating yeah the set's too good we're not cracking it for singles we're just selling our boxes yep and all the pre-release content that have been out shows a banger format so it's if people want to engage with the set then they can engage on it on engage engage with it in more than just a financial fashion yeah and i think that's also super important because buying a box now and drafting here and there lasts a while yeah and at like 300 and change a box whatever they currently are that's a lot that's you know two to three boxes of a standard set that is three-fifths the price of the special edition warhammer decks they're 500 or they were 500 msrp even after we got a small amount of spoilers yeah like just that i think is the pull that i think is the concern and that i think is uh something that even vendors need to think about like right we're talking about the lgs if i'm a vendor i'm not necessarily worried that um 2x2 is going to pull money away from those other products because i honestly don't think i'd care no i i don't think it matters that much at all yeah i'd probably get you know whatever allocation i can get for the warhammer stuff let it ride same yeah. thing with Infinity. I might actually drop distro, uh, my distro allocation on that and yeah. shove in on any more Double Masters I can get my hands on until Brothers War. I don't think, as a vendor, I would care at all about the game night thing. 
And at this point in time, anything that's worthwhile in the Pioneer decks are singles. And I sell those singles. I sell Arc Like Phoenix all day long. I sell Lotus yep. Field all day long. I don't need to buy those decks to resell or crack them. I probably might even have some more Arc Life Phoenix decks in the back because I'm pretty sure this is the second time we got that deck. Yeah, uh, we got it with the first Pioneer decks because it turns out the deck's good, but not bannable good yeah. yet. And the Gruel Stompy deck is like all recent standard cards. So it's like, who yeah. cares? Every I have a million of that stupid dragon that uh, exerts Glorybringer. Yeah. It, it did nothing after Ammon Kent rotated. Cool. I yeah. bought him. I bought him for quarters on the dollar. Like, I don't need these decks. No, and I I think it's going to be the really interesting thing is you know there's this prompted a little bit of discussion of you know which release do you prefer the constant stream or feast or famine and like I mean I prefer a set every three months like we had yeah. with two supplementals a year but we're never going to get that again. Um, but this is something that I think is going to be really interesting because not only do we have all of these products competing for money, Double Masters just released. We potentially have a Double Masters reprint, Q3, Q4. Uh, purely speculation, but it's there. On top of that, economy's not doing entirely great. You're seeing reserveless stuff start to trend down a little bit. Uh, so it'll be very interesting. And that's what, to me, lends the belief that these products are fine. Yeah. But they're not Wizard's sales goal. Wizard's sale goal is a reprint of Double Masters yes. again. Yeah. There's also this kind of interesting thing going on with Double Masters where people started buying in to every aspect of that set on pre-release weekend because yeah. so many stores broke street date that it felt like that that was the release weekend. So people are spending an obscene amount of money when they don't have to yet, especially on, on singles. Yeah. And come to find out that not because of that but because of this artificial price on a lot of 2x2 based on expected scarcity and the disappearance of sealed products to large hands to sit on uh, wasteland gaming actually came out and this is the, the title of the reddit thread wasteland gaming just came out and told the gaming code to hold its beer yeah and basically wasteland gaming the ceo responds and i'll put this in the notes as well to their action which is just this the owner of wasteland gaming believes that 2x2 prices are wholly unsustainable set by a market that is ready to prey on people looking for these reprints so it's going to they are on a mission to push down prices as much as they can to make everything as affordable as they should be based on their box openings and what they saw trend within their cases for things like the full arts and the edge foils and just essentially reset or properly set prices and expectations for what we're going to see. And I think that movement and that Herculean effort is also yeah. going to push a lot of people to buy more singles from this set than they might have if the etched foils or whatever remained at $500 a piece for the Eldrazi Titans. So that's going to create an absolute vacuum. On the other side of this, something we talked about before the cast is October 14th. That is the last set of days for these products. A month later is the Brothers War, a standard set. We expect an artifact set and shit goes sideways when that happens. And yep. this is the first time we might get a Mishra creature card, not a Mishra planeswalker. And so people are really excited. And we hyped. had Mishra creature. We didn't have Mishra planeswalker. 
I thought wasn't the oh I'm thinking of the artificial five... project yeah, yeah artificial yeah, 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 project from time spiral the, yeah yep the the Grixis one and I was yep. thinking of the un the un planeswalker where the ultimate is literally like call Watsy yeah um so people are going to tighten up as well and get ready for that wait for spoilers by the time the game night and pioneer decks drop we should have spoilers within the next week or two so there's there might be a weird lull into a spike in that product if the brothers were spoilers don't look great or those products might just get forgotten because people need to tighten their purse strings on the way to this standard set yeah and this is probably the weirdest part of this year that we have because of all these releases at this point in time where does Baldur's Gate fit? Does that ever get a chance to shine? Probably not. Like I, 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 but then if it doesn't get a time to shine, does that then become a long-term hold? Is that something where you want these cards and you want to hold on to them because oh well nobody opened this because it was so bad, and we had double masters right afterwards, and then we had Brothers War, and then we had all this other stuff because yeah, it, the feedback on Baldur's Gate was it's not a good set. Yeah. What is it we always say? There's no bad picks, just longer-term specs. That's all it is. Exactly. People would have been more apt to spend on Baldur's Gate if 2x2 wasn't as good as it is as well. So you see that again. You see people clamping down on their purse strings because we know suggested MSRP of 2x2 for so long that people are just thinking, well, can I spend here? Do I need to spend there? Can I spend here later? Do I need to spend further down the road? And they they might have bought a little bit of product, but not as much as they normally would. And this is absolutely the opportunity and kind of perfect storm for wallet fatigue. There are a lot of these products that are probably going to fail yeah. by our standards, but might not fail by Wasi's standards. That's actually something I've been talking about for the last couple of weeks now because of the, the Baldur's Gate into 2x2 timeline. A lot of people think Watsi set Baldur's Gate up to fail. And I, I don't think that's wrong. I think that's absolutely the case. I think they knew that people wouldn't buy into it, that people were going to hold on for 2x2. They were going to spend their money elsewhere. They're, they were going to move it. And By design or accident? Both. Yeah, I think this 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 was their intention, though, absolutely. I think so. Like, make no mistake. Yeah, I think... This is... They knew what they were doing. Yep, this was for the D&D players. There were going to be some hype cards, and people want to buy into yeah. the set. Cool, otherwise they'll buy the singles. But the... Metrics for success for a supplemental set are not the same as a standard set, and they need their standard set to just blow the doors off things. There was a graph put out by Wolf of Tin Street uh, mid-last week that showed sales of standard sets against 2x2, and 2x2 was an order of magnitude larger already in terms of sealed product when you aggregate everything. Like a million versus a hundred thousand kind of stuff. Yeah. Or a couple hundred it, thousand. It was not close at all. Yeah. And I, I, that wallet fatigue into tightening up, into knowing where you're going to spend your money, and it's just this confluence of the end of the year that we knew was coming. Yeah. I don't think this is a sustainable pace. I think they know that. And the other thing that's kind of bewildering is Infinity was moved from April to October that's six months out like yeah so six months ago they knew they had to move a set 
Yeah. And they decided to move that. While they just announced, the entire reason we did this right now is because this announcement about the Warhammer 40k yeah. change came, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago? Like two or three? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Like, they knew this was going to happen. Yeah. They knew. So they just picked another time to let the set fail silently. Where people are... Yeah, exactly. Where people can let the wallet fatigue really set in and let let sets pass them by. Yep. You know, you don't not everybody needs to buy everything. That's fine. And sometimes you can just close your wallet. Be yep. A okay. The only benefit to all of this is that Wasteland Gaming the gaming co and a handful of other larger vendor vendors will see you through yeah. they will crack the product so you can buy your singles so you don't have to worry about this and i think that is expected action from watsi let the players recoup you know let let them recover from from the wall fatigue from having to shell out for everything else this year including some clunker standard sets yeah and then let our secondary market pick up the slack because Watsi gets their payment once this product's picked up at distro and when it's going to the gaming co wasteland gaming etc that are just going to crack in huge amounts then the public gets what they need too and they don't have to be served not everybody needs to be served by this and i i don't know and I, I think that's one of the most important things about this time is, you know, one, pick your product, and two, whatever it is, there is absolutely someone there who will satisfy that need. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you, as uh, an LGS purveyor, when it comes to the Warhammer decks, are you going to treat those like you would the unique kits where you let your warhammer you'll let your warhammer players come in ask you to order certain kits from distro and then single order kits for them and just like wait until you know people want them and then put the order in or are you just gonna fire off a distro so we're we're gonna fire off allocation at distro the thing that kind of sucks about it is you can't really order unique kits because they ship like all the other commander decks yeah yeah yeah. it's it's one of each yeah. so i don't have the choice I, of like well everyone wants you know like we got a ton of Tyranid players. Everyone wants the Tyranid deck, so let's just get the Tyranid yep, deck. Yeah, like yeah. It, unfortunately, it just isn't that easy. Um, so what we're planning on doing is once we have allocation, like that is one of those products that all things equal, we don't get a Double Masters reprint. Of those four products, the one that I feel like we're highest on long-term is Warhammer mm -hmm. uh, because of of the cross-market opportunity there and the fact that it's basically the first universes beyond product released. So, yeah. you know, it's it's the whole reason from the Vault Dragon sealed has value, even though the cards inside it are worth like $30. Because it was the first one. So we're probably going to hold on to a case or two of it sealed just to have for a rainy day mm -hmm. and see what happens with it. Uh, but by and large, it's just, you know... We're a little bit higher on that than the other four. We're certainly higher on it than Unfinity. Uh, with what happened with, you know, un, was Unsanctioned the last one? Yeah, it was either that or Stable. I assume it's Un... I, yeah, I, th I think it was Unsanctioned. But because Unsanctioned was literally just mass-released wherever. 
we're just more confident about the Warhammer one. That's that's a product that to like from a design perspective, it'll satisfy our Magic players yep. because if there's singles in there that they want, they'll just buy their Commander decks. And we also have the opportunity of hey Warhammer guys, even if you just want to sit this on your shelf next to your painted army that you never touch, don't buy it. Yeah. Those, like I said, those are the only people that seemed really happy about the product were the Warhammer guys. Yeah. I don't know how my LGS is going to to handle that, but those were the people that were, like, super excited. Some of them were ex-Magic players, so they're actually looking forward to getting together with the, those same people, like the Warhammer players that are also Magic players or were Magic players, and, like, jamming that. Yeah, and like I got to listen to the conversation, one of the conversations, when I was at the LGS, and it seemed like they're going to keep their little cadre together and not really look to expand to play Commander with other Magic players. It'll be okay. We're going to get together as the this Warhammer group, this tabletop group, and instead of playing Warhammer in the backyard, we're just going to jam these Commander decks and have fun. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it, like not to sound like they're trying to be exclusionary or anything, but like no. they're they're a super welcoming group. But you know, it's like have a beer, enjoy the game another way. You know, we know yeah. these people are not going to pitch a fit. The only other product I think that matters on the list is the Pioneer decks. But again, by the time they roll around, what's going to be relevant in these decks, and who's going to care? Because we've had several iterations of this. And Pioneer players should be entrenched already by October. You know, this yeah. is almost three months out to the day. But it's difficult to imagine that with an evolving metagame, because we just had the Winota ban, and yeah. a constant push for this format, not just to play, but across social media as well, that people won't buy in that lgs's aren't going to eventually move into this format and begin to support their players with product and singles and i like when i say product i don't mean just these decks in october i mean whatever they can get between now and october yeah and i i think one of the problems that i have with announcements like this is specifically because of the absence of or the the surplus of time between the announcement and the release because it is something that's supposed to be relevant. Yep. It's something that doesn't really work for me. I, I don't see how this works because you're doing this because it's relevant now. Well, we have other sets coming. There's a million different reasons it may not work. Uh, and that, to me, makes it a very weak, weak product. Yeah. Because I just don't know how good it's going to be. Yeah, I, I think it's just... These two products, the Game Night and Pioneer decks, I think it's just the recuperation phase, the let your wallet and your credit card cool down phase of this cycle. Yeah. And because that needs to happen, these and some other things just might fail from that perspective. Yeah. They might sit on a shelf too long, and LGS might not grab as much allocation as they should, or any at all if there's no interest or no need. Yeah, and that is how we get Double Masters 2. Yep. I think the only thing Infinity has going for it is the Collector Boosters, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Products. But yeah, but Double Masters is just going to kick the crap out of everything 
in this pipeline until yeah, it runs absolutely. dry. 100%. Yep. From a, a sealed standpoint and a single standpoint. And I think it was a mistake to shadow everything that we've talked about in this episode with double masters. It just seems unfair to these products. Yeah, I, I don't know how there's any viability to anything but double masters at this point. Yeah. Not not because this set's like, you know, oh man, this is absolutely banger insane. Like it is. But nothing all of your other products comparatively are gonna be a failure. Yeah. They gave it Star. the experiment this summer of let us change the release schedule, push back the standard set to early fall because standard sets in the summer traditionally fail, which is yep. fine. That's vacation time. People don't care. That's the metric. Not because they're all bad. Yeah. To put in supplemental sets, not the worst idea, not the worst but the ones no. they chose to put in here, the worst. There's a two-month yeah. runway between Double Masters and the next set, and it's not going to cool at all. Like There is just too much time between New Capenna and Double Masters, it felt like, because that set was such garbage that Double Masters should have probably been moved back to late June. Yeah. Streets no sorry, Treats of Capenna was May. It probably should have been oh, yeah. moved back a month. Or moved Baldur's Gate back a month and then uh double masters with it. Give it a longer runway. And I think this is going to prove an interesting experiment for Watsi, but at the end of the day, they've just asked people to shell exactly they've asked people to shell out too much money, then double masters ask them to shell out too much money in too little time. Yep. That the fatigue is going to be very real. And some of these products are just going to fall. And my hope is that the Brothers War does not fall prey to this. Same. Like, I want that. I want. I hope it's a well-designed set, and I hope that's enough to get people to buy into it. But at the same time, I, I hope it doesn't fail because people are just out of money. Here's hoping. Yeah. You ready for picks? Let's do it. All right. Uh, you can go first this week. Sick. Uh, mine's kind of an easy one. Yeah. A little bit of a low-hanging fruit. And it's revisiting the list, and the list changes. My pick this week is Tempest Lotus Petal. So why? Well, because the list will only ever be rares and mythics, unless Watsi, for some reason, changes their mind, which they never do. Uh, and the reason that's relevant is because this isn't on the list, but it is in the mystery convention booster list of like 1200 cards or yes. whatever it is the, conven the mystery booster convention series or whatever like absolutely insane number of cards on it yep. but the reason i mention this is because it's a common that sees play across every format uh edh legacy pauper where it's somehow still legal uh and in some vintage lists mm -hmm. now this has a lot of long-term viability. If you take a look at the stocks graph, you can see since 2020, we've been on a steady upward trend. Yeah. And yeah, we just cratered a bit, and then we went up again. The thing is, this being on the Mystery Convention boosters, yes, those are the most popular events at every Star City event. Those are the most popular events at every TCG event where they're available. At Origins, they were the most popular Magic event. The issue is... There are so few of these getting open now because those events are usually capped at 80 people. When they first came out in 2019 and they were happening, you were having two, 300 people in these events four or five times a weekend. Mm -hmm. 
So we can see that we're towards the end of this mystery booster convention supply, so to speak. And once it's done, we'll see a change in that product because that's what was promised. Uh, again, whoa, took care for what Watsi says and something like this. Yeah. We will see a churn over in these boosters or a churn in these boosters. And I think that this especially being with the convention edition and your LGS probably still having a ton of the LGS edition. Uh, I mean, that's kind of a big deal to me. You know, there's there's and there wasn't a lot of the LGS edition that went out. It seems like at this point there was significantly more convention boosters that went out than there were to your LGS uh, because yeah, if Star yeah. City still has them and everyone else does. I assume we got a ton of these things laying around. Yep. Yep. At least that's how it seems. Uh, and that's just, you know, I think it's a good card for long-term hold. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think in terms of buy list, quantity, everything, actual timeline on this, uh, economy does a little bit of uh, funny things here. So we may be looking at a little bit longer of a turnaround. Uh, I would expect, if you take a look historically, we had a crater in October of 2021, and then we had up 70% from there the following March. So if we just take into account that we just hit a crater, we're looking at about seven months. Guess what? Yeah. It's July, almost October. Well, that's two month, three months earlier. You know what's before March? Tax season, which is when things surge naturally anyways. Hopefully that's still the case. Mm -hmm. But I would expect early spring 2023 is when you'd be able to out this with a buy list profit. Uh, and in the meantime, even picking it up now at retail in the 10 to $12 range, I still think you're fine in six to nine months to be able to profitably out this in a trade, yeah. worst case scenario. As far as depth, I mean, this is one of those things that I'll, I will take as many as you'll give me. If, if I can have a stack of 100 Lotus Petals, I'll take it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's I don't think there is a quantity amount that I am uncomfortable having of this card. Because it's a card that not only does it have like liquidity here, but it's something that internationally, occasionally you'll see a Japanese or a European buy list be at like twelve dollars yeah. on this card out of nowhere. Uh, when Galactus was at Richmond, it was their first event stateside in two or three years. Uh, Lotus Petal was on their hot list at one point for fifteen dollars. So you've got that out as well available to you. Uh, so I I don't think there's a quantity conservatively i'd probably sit at like 16 to 20 you know four to five play sets i have probably 20 because this is a card i want in multiples of five for your edh set as well as your constructed players yeah. just to have it available yep i i think there's a, a couple interesting points to make here one is clarifying when you say convention set you don't mean sure. that there's a difference in the two because of the test cards and there are other cards like Lotus Petal that exist in that set. It's like, no, those are the ones that went out the channel fireball for yeah. the conventions specifically. And that well does not seem to have run dry yet. The yeah. TOs still seem to have their copies, but the LGSs, their well seems to be dry. Yeah, exactly. So, and it's if the largest quantity available is still at conventions which are happening again, and we've seen a price dip on this. Those are happening, and eventually it's going to dry up probably sooner than later yeah, at this rate, but, just based on the amount of people they're taking yeah. for these events. So that's a clarifying point just for anybody who yeah. was like, but wait, why? So that's yeah. one. Two, we 
to to talk about the dip that we just saw we're looking i'm going to zoom in on stocks and it seems a lot flatter than it is but the real dip happens in the middle of june and i think that's somewhere around the time where double masters has been had been spoiled enough where people thought this might have been crunched into the set yep and so some people might have emergency shoved out so i would kind of take that dip with a grain of salt and just run and wait on it then the the last point about this card that i think is kind of interesting is when we're looking at something like this and you mention the formats it's playable in and you think oh well commander players are going to love this card some are some won't some have utility for it some don't it is uh, a legacy uh, legacy is a driver and vintage is a driver and if you want to go deeper on it then i think understanding that getting out of that many two vendors that support legacy and vintage communities where this is really going to move having that out is important you need to understand that that is the out to to you and i that is easier said than done for a lot of people because you know we went out we have these connections we go to shows we know how to move them so if you do want to go deep on this, just understand that you're going to have to pay attention to international vendors for stuff like this. You know, it might pop on 95 because they arb to Japan. So that's an easy out. But if you wanted to look for Galactus, now you're going to either attempt to find their buy list online or make a boot, make it to a show where they're at, where they're there. Yeah. And not the most difficult thing, but just a, another point I wanted to Something make. Something to be aware of, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that might change how deep you want to go once like that kind of clicks otherwise i i like the pick um i always think i have more lotus petals than i do because i'm a legacy dj and i need a bunch yep and they were four dollars forever but i didn't buy infinite of them just like sphere of resistance and now that has a price tag too because thalia edh but who am i to complain but my pick also an artifact not an edh card torrential gear hulk so as you and I talked about before the cast, this is something, and we've talked about on the cast, this is something I've been trying to do, which is pay attention to various formats now and what's being played in those formats. And Torrential Gear Hulk popped this week on one of the podcasts I've been listening to. I don't remember the name. It's basically just two curmudgeons talk magic. Ross Miriam and, uh, is it Tannen Grace, their podcast? Yeah. Uh, they talked about it. Uh, at, in the Pioneer format, but it did not hit on MTG Grindcast, who did an episode dedicated to Pioneer this week. So it was a little interesting to hear that, like, those two Star City Grinders hit on this card and a change in the format, while Grindcast and those two Star City Grinders did not. They kind of went uh, in a different direction with their Pioneer uh, evaluation. Yeah. So when we're looking at gear hulk right now our out is to buy us if you just wanted to make uh, an immediate move on this you absolutely can arbitrage from tcg player to card kingdom for cash uh, otherwise it is a trade credit plus plus i believe but i don't know the exact number because i didn't open tcg player for some reason uh, that said as far as edh is concerned this is not really a card in the format on the whole when we take a look at it at rex on rec it's in just a hair under ten thousand decks that it could possibly be in that's about one percent and the strategies you see this in are kind of all over the place but they're generally big and slow and clunky and blue you're you're out 
looking to take advantage, essentially, of recasting spells from your graveyard or duplicating initial spells, like uh, forking them, essentially. Um, Or taking advantage of the Gear Hulk trigger. So duplicating it with something like Panharmonicon, right? So, again, so far as his commander is concerned, this is a slower, less aggressive Snapcaster Mage, and thus a more casual solution and or value engine. It doesn't go into every deck, but it definitely has its uses, like Noxious Gear Hulk. The look, however, as I said, is Pioneer now that the format is shifting. We are seeing Demir Control, Jeskai decks of various flavors, and Azor Control decks pop up, taking advantage of Torrential Gear Hulk. You know, these are control decks that could help define the format and finally become a pillar, cementing both Control as a strategy and Torrential Gear Hulk as a premier piece of the deck and the finisher. Because if you take a look at the base Demir deck on MTG decks, because meta doesn't quite have a breakdown for this yet since it's um kind of wonky how it does things it's one gear hulk and one hull breaker harder and that's it that's your threat base in blue black control that's the primary home for this jeskai however plays a little differently i like what it does that might be the deck in the future but not right now so uh, a full playset appears in the Indomitable Creativity deck in Pioneer, which has very recently picked up in popularity alongside these control decks. And in the Creativity deck, the threat base also includes Fable of the Mirror Breaker, which is what some of those Jeskai control decks are doing. Duplicating Torrential Gear Hulk. Something I call that by DDH. There's a similarity here, which is kind of interesting. So again... This presents an opportunity for a new deck to to submit itself as a or the premier tempo deck within the format is a create uh, indomitable creativity. This though seems more like a long shot as there are a number of as there are a number of decks that can play a tempo based game have existed within the format for some time and perform fairly well. So competition is pretty stiff for this tempo pillar. As, as I'll call it here. Now, as far as the timeline is concerned, with regionals and the Pro Tour looming, which is the part of my research that I mentioned earlier, and with Pioneer as the highlighted format for all this, my expectation is that we'll see movement on this card in the next two to three months, with expected exit points both prior to and after the Pro Tour. This is, however, all propped up on the idea that Control finds its footing in Pioneer and performs well. But I do have a lot of faith in that after the recent bannings. Yeah. And all of that and why Control is in a good spot is something you can pick up from uh, the Ross Marion podcast that I mentioned earlier, whose name I forgot to write down. They basically just detail everything between Demir Control and Azor Control, the Wandering Emperor, the difference between the two decks. I think they like Azor more because of the Wandering Emperor and how broken that card is. But the strategies are very yeah, the strategies are very very much aligned on what they do. 
it really depends on, this is what we're seeing a lot in Pioneer, what the Rakdos deck does. I'm pretty sure I called that a couple of weeks ago. There are a number of ways to build the Rakdos deck right now. Yep. It's the premier mid-range deck, and depending on that, we'll determine whether or not the well, White Splash or the Black Splash is going to be better in Pioneer on the whole right now. Right now, I think both decks are holding down the Phoenix matchup and Mono Green fairly well, so it really just depends on that like little bit of the format to settle in. I think the reprint equity is very low on on this card. Gearholts are tied by story to Kaladesh, thus it would most likely be in a commander product like the other Gearholks. And I say yeah. that and caveat it with this, this is the only Gearhulk without a commander reprint. The other four have been reprinted in commander at least once. So I don't want to say that's looming, but that does seem to be the next place we're going to see it. And whether it comes comes out in the Warhammer stuff or not, I don't think it's going to impact the price, but that would be the next most likely location for this. And for my, my last note on buy quantity is, and I had about a dozen of these when they were in standard because they helped define that format. And this is during and after the Martyr vehicle run, but I haven't picked up any more since. They just disappeared from binders. Now, as this is a constructed spec, but currently only a one or two of in what I think will be the most popular Gear Hulk deck, Demir Control, I'd be looking to buy another six to 12 to move locally before moving to buy a list. If you are a believer in Jeskai or Azor, you can up that number appropriately to match the playset requirement. And then the Indomitable Creativity deck runs four, I believe. So again, you can tailor your number to that, but I really would move in multiples based on what deck or decks you feel are going to be best situated in Pioneer if you're going to start buying immediately. But yeah, I think 12 right now at 4 or $5 a piece is where I would start without question because these are going to be easy enough to churn locally to make your money back pretty quickly. If you want to sit on them, then I would go deeper. Yeah, I think the other thing about this is even if you look at, you know, not just the set version, but looking at the invention, for example, uh, we're on a three to six month downtrend on the card. Uh, but like you said, it's kind of tied to Kaladesh because that's where Gear Hulks exist. Yeah. Uh, and we're not getting inventions anytime soon. Looking at upcoming sets, one of the most interesting things is what if we get it in an edh deck in the brothers war okay i still think that's fine because it's going to be again based on the time it's releasing if we get a double masters reprint going back to the horse we've been beating uh all of a sudden that becomes unimportant yeah. it, it just doesn't impact the reprint viability of it and i still i don't think we see it in brothers war yeah. i think we'll get a bunch of reprints from like old border sets i digress uh, it's also the kind of card that just has that long-term, this is always going to be good. It has casual appeal. It has competitive appeal. You know, so if you miss your out by, a, excuse me, a week or two, it's not the worst thing to have to hold on to it for a little bit longer. Absolutely. Uh, my, you know, again, the main thing would be figuring out what you're hedging for deck-wise. Like you said, are you going for something that runs one or two? going for the Azor list that runs for the cruelty list where you're going for Demir. Um, and I think that's a very important thing to decide on uh, because especially at the price point it's at, it's not quite in that like unlimited quantity fetch land range 
nor is it in the like unlimited quantity of like priest of titania range yeah, yeah. and occupies a weird middle ground there so absolutely i'm glad you mentioned the inventions because it's that's actually something i probably spent more time thinking about than everything every other word i, I wrote about this card because i couldn't for the life of me figure out if people did or want to bling out pioneer decks yeah i i'm i know two people that do uh, but they did it back when Pioneer was announced because they were excited for a new yes. format. And I haven't really seen any events at locals or anywhere yeah. where that's and it seeing that on camera will push people to buy it that are already into Pioneer, seeing it at a larger stage, the rest of the pimp. Or now know that pimping Pioneer is viable they found the deck they like the format's in a good enough spot let's do this yep. kind of thing and if i was more confident that that would happen i would have had some notes about the masterpiece but i just i i spent a lot of time a lot of time wondering about that and i couldn't really find anything good about it and you can't rely on what's going on on moto because at this point in time you can just pay 25 dollars and play whatever you want i think we're still yeah. in the timeline yep so that skews everything right now um, if you're lucky enough to have one of these inventions or you want to pick up a couple of them for $70, the we it, this card is just in a tumble after it spiked up from 50 We might get really close to that 50 again before people start recognizing this is a playable card in the format yep. as control takes off. You know, dig it out buy one or two if you have the funds instead of the regular ones and i think that's fine too it's just difficult for me to want to really put a lot of faith in my messaging of buy as many you know spend the 200 buy yeah the play set the play set yeah, yeah. I, I can't in good faith say that without being able to identify the fact that people do want to pimp pioneer and that the invention is the way to go over the set foil yeah so that's all I got to say about that. But we will be back next week with another episode of MTG Cabalcast. Until then, though, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Patreon, wherever you can listen to a podcast. We are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter if you'd like to reach out to us. I am at Halt. I am Reptar on Twitter. You are at Thirsty Sizzler. And we'll see you next week.